<laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church, and Merry Christmas to everyone. And um, I don't know if you've got to say that to anybody yet. Why don't you turn to somebody and say Merry Christmas, okay? I want to, I want to welcome you. If it's your first time here, we're, we're kind of informal here. We kind of... Uh, I've had people yell at me from the crowd. I hope you won't do that. But uh, no, it's good to be together. Glad you could make it with us. Isn't this beautiful? I just, I thought, you know, Mike and a bunch of people helped to do that. Mike, that is, I just didn't see it this morning until I come in here just a minute ago. Spectacular, isn't it? And so, and you're probably thinking, what's going on? Well, you know, Christmas is just about two weeks away, a little over two weeks away. Uh, have you got everything done? I wouldn't even say shopping. I'm talking about everything. You know, there's the planning, there's the cooking, there's the decorating. I spent three days putting up Christmas lights. Three days. So there's the planning, the shopping, the decorating, the lying, and the hiding. It's the only time of year you can lie, and I guess it's okay. Did you give me anything? Oh, no, no, we didn't. We're not going to supposed to spend anything this year. And then out it comes. Whoa, what would you do that for? You know. But uh, I remember when I was a kid, we used to hide. My mom and dad would hide uh, their presents under their bed. And we were never allowed to go in their bedroom. But when they would leave, we knew exactly what we were getting. And they figured it out because one time we didn't act surprised when we opened it up. Oops. <laughs> you know. So we learned to act surprised. But it is, it's, it's about three weeks away, we're going to see Christmas here, and um, it's a wonderful time of, of, of the year, it is, you know, Andy Williams is right, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Why is it so wonderful? I think it's, a, it's wonderful because everybody's thinking about Christ. You hope that's what they're thinking about. I've, I have to admit, though, I know that uh, a lot of people are thinking about this stuff. They're thinking about presents, and they're thinking about Christmas trees, they're thinking about Santa. I mean, as a kid, remember, you, we thought about Santa, Christmas lights, maybe family. You always had that crazy uncle that came and wore the crazy sweater or something. But, you, but the, the thing that everybody waited for was, you know, that moment, and you would be in agony as a kid, the moment when you would open the presents. In fact, you knew that it seemed that Christmas was about presents because when the last one was opened, it's like somebody took the air right out of the room. Remember that? Probably noticed that. As soon as the last present's open, everybody kind of goes, Well, what do we do now? It's over. And there's this melancholy feeling that at least I experience sometimes uh, right after uh, the last present is opened. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but a, a lot of Americans, you know, they're shopping right now, and the average American today will spend about $900 on Christmas. You're saying I'm well below that average. Okay, good. But the average person will spend that much on gifts. It's no longer Black Friday or no longer you're shopping in December. It's now a Christmas shopping season. And now it's starting on Thanksgiving, and then you got Cyber Monday and all these other things. What it's all about is presence. Presence. It's on the brain. 
I googled Christmas this morning. And you ever Google a word and then put images in, and it can be a little scary. Am I right? Yeah. I typed in Christmas and hit images and hit search and went, I hope it's safe. And I counted 700 pictures. It had 700 pictures. And out of 700 pictures, three had Jesus in them. The rest, I kid you not, I counted them. I have OCD. I counted every picture. I looked for Jesus maybe in the background when there's Santa and there's a tree. And you're thinking, maybe he's in the background. I saw puppies. I saw kitty cats. I saw Christmas trees and ornaments and all kinds of cool stuff. And Jesus showed up three times. Is that what's happened to us? How many of you are concerned about Christmas? Yeah. It's what's happened to Christmas. It's even changed since I was a kid. Now we share it with other holidays. And we were afraid to say this phrase, Happy Holiday, but it actually was in reference to Christmas at the time when it was coined, and it meant Happy Holy Day. But Christmas has somehow lost its holiness, and now it's more into merchandise. And, and a lot of you are wore out from decorating, and you've still got more to do. And, you're, and maybe, you don't, maybe what you've got on your brain and what a lot of people have on their brain is packages. And Now, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't give gifts, especially if you've got one for me. I want you to make sure. <laughs> enjoy the season of giving. <laughs> I know, I tried to plug there. But you see, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're not supposed to be giving any gifts. You know, uh, a guy was telling me, he said, my dad used to say we ought to blame them wise men for all the merchandising because they gave three gifts and look what's happened, you know. And, and they started their shopping two years earlier. I mean, they were really way ahead. But, but uh, I, just, I just want you to think this morning about, could Christmas be more than about this? You know, uh, why we got this all decorated? Well, you know, the 21st, the 21st of December, that's two weeks from now, we're going to be having a special service at 6 o'clock. We won't have one during the day. We won't have one at this time. We're going to have it at 6 o'clock. Our kids are involved in this one. And we're talking about the gifts of Christmas. In fact, some of you probably got an invitation in your bulletin. Some of you may have not. And if you didn't, they're, they're waiting out there for you at the Welcome Center. We want you to invite your friends and family. The kids are getting them. They're going to invite all their friends. And, and what we're going to have is the kids are going to be up here in a choir or kind of like a, they're going to be singing. We're going to have scenes from different all over the room. We're going to have different things. So you'll have a seat somewhere. You'll see something happen. And we've got three special kids that are involved in some of the dialogue in the presentation of this. And, and uh, we're working you know, like crazy to get ready for it. And we're, we're talking about the gifts. Isn't it interesting? The gifts of Christmas. Why? Because we know people are thinking about presents. Well, Christmas is more. That's what we're going to find out on the 21st. And we're going to find out what I want to do in the next two weeks in this series. I want to talk about, notice we've got in our, uh, the cover of the bulletin up here on the screen. It's got Christmas presents. And we've scratched out presents and we've put presents. Because Christmas is about so much more than these presents. Um, in fact, if you look on your notes, look at this first passage. This is a passage out of Luke, and Luke is recording something that Isaiah said. And oh, I'm sorry, this is Isaiah saying this. And as Isaiah 
um, chapter 7. This is written... This is this was I don't even know what that happened there. This is written 700 years before before really before Christmas. Now we know Christmas didn't happen on December 25th. I think we all know that, right? But our culture calls the birth of Christ whenever it happened Christmas. And we celebrate it. We happen to celebrate it in December. No one really knows when Jesus was born. So when I'm saying something about Christmas and Christ being born on Christmas, I'm just really just kind of uh, saying something that we're familiar with doing in our, in our culture. But uh, this passage here in Isaiah was, was, was written 700 and some years before Jesus was born. And, and, and it says this. It says that a sign, the, so the Lord himself will give you a sign, and then he gives us this sign. Remember, was it Bill Engel? Here's your sign. He goes, let me, let me tell you, Isaiah is saying, here's the icon, here's the picture, here's the word picture, or I want, we want you to, I want you to see, God wants you to imagine what Christmas would look like. If Google were back then in Isaiah's day, it probably would be slower, but it would work. And if he Googled Christmas, he would have this image, not a bunch of this stuff. And it, would say, and it says this, here's your sign. A virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. Wow. Powerful. Four powerful words when you stop and think about it. God is with me? Yes. And it's because of Christmas. He comes to the earth. Well, God has come to the earth many times. Yeah, but not in the flesh. Not in the flesh. He was born like you and I. He was human like you and I. He was tempted like you and I. He went through the pressures of life just like you and I. You think, why? Why? Why does He do that? So you can, not that He can relate to you. He knows how you tick, so you can know He relates to you. So you can know He understands whatever you're going through. And he, it says He dwells with us. I just imagine for a minute, if we brought Christ's presence, we brought His presence not these presents, but we found a way to get His presence on Christmas during the Christmas season into our lives. What a change it would, would make, huh? What a difference it would make if we could bring the presence of God, not the presence of Santa, but of God into our life. Because that's what Christmas is about. It celebrates the bringing of His presence. God is with us. Now, this lesson is very simple today. It's a very simple lesson. But I think sometimes what happens when we look at the simple, we overlook a lot. Sometimes we need to look at the simple to kind of get our moorings back where they belong. Because I believe as a society, we've lost our way on Christmas. It's become about crazy shopping, over-the-top gifts, over-the-top decorations. I put up, like I say, 3,000 lights, over 3,000 lights at my house. I got started and I just couldn't stop. I mean, I just... So, you know, we're all affected by this. And I believe God wants you and me to experience His presence because that's really what Christmas is about. Now, why would I say that? Why would I say that perhaps the greatest presence, present you could have on Christmas is God with you? Here's why I believe that that's the, the most important present. And to God, it was the most important present. You've got to remember something, guys. The first Christmas, they weren't, there weren't a lot of people giving. 
Just think about it for a minute. There weren't a lot of people in the giving mood on Christmas. That first one. Innkeeper, we need a room. No. Come on, look at her. She looks like Nicole. Look at that. Any minute, any day, the baby's coming. I'm excited. I don't know if Nicole's as excited. Yes, you are, of course. We're excited. We're going to have two grandkids by Christmas. Grandkids in stereo. And so I just, you know, boy, what a blessed man I am. What a blessed man I am. And so, and so here, you know, we see that God's presence is the greatest gift you can have from God. Because God's presence is the one thing that gives me everything. What am I getting for Christmas? What are you getting for Christmas? What do you get for the guy who has everything? Wouldn't you like to be the guy who has everything? You can be the guy who has everything. When you have the presence of God, you possess everything. Everything you need for life. Everything you need to confront anything or deal with anything. Failures, faults, good, bad, tragedy, triumph. The presence of God. And God wants to be in your life. That's what Christmas really is about. So what I want to do this week is I want to talk a little bit briefly about what, why did Christ come on, on Christmas, we'll call it. And next week I want to talk about how do I bring His presence into my family and friends and where I work during the Christmas season. Because that's the present He wants us to share Himself. So let's talk about this, okay? So what, what are, why did, why did God come and, and why did Emmanuel, God with us, come on Christmas that we call Christmas? Number one, God came on Christmas because he, wanted, he didn't want me to be alone. Are you alone? I know this is thin ice. I, I, I don't feel qualified to talk much about this sometimes because I don't know if I'm very tender about this. I get to thinking how often I've ever been alone. I mean, really by myself. It's very seldom. But I know, I know there's times I've felt alone. And sometimes Christmas, with all the singing, I mean, what is it, 102 or some of these channels, they have, it's the most wonderful time, or sleigh bells ring, and you hear all this stuff, and, you know, one more song and you're going to punch somebody. Yeah, I, I, that's Chris. I figured Chris, yeah. Because you're sick and tired. You know, everybody's all cheery. Hi, Merry Christmas. Isn't it a wonderful time of the year? It's going to be wonderful because I'm leaving you. But, but um, I don't know. It's, there's, there's times when the contrast when something so over the top can reveal the complete opposite. You know what I'm saying? Hearing all this, seeing all this, everybody else seems to be having a good time. They have the Christmas spirit, and I don't have any. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. And I feel alone. And I'll tell you, if you're feeling like that, I, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
I'm sorry, that's... You shouldn't be alone. In fact, God hates loneliness. Did you know that? Remember what he said when he saw Adam? He was by himself. He noticed something about Adam. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And it's not good for you to be alone on Christmas. It's not good for you to be alone at all. And that's why Christ come. That's why God come, to be with and, you know, it says God with us to God with me. You could personalize that if you'd like. Christians ought to be a God being with me. He doesn't want me to face life alone. Look what it says here. And this is, this is Matthew, and he's quoting Isaiah. A virgin will come, will have a baby. And this is said to the shepherds. By the way, the shepherds were the lowest rung on the social ladder. They often lived as hermits and outcasts. So they often lived by themselves. I don't know if you knew that or not. And here they are off by themselves and an angel appears to them and he says, don't be afraid. And he goes, I give you what, tidings, the good tidings, great joy. And he says, a virgin will, ha- will have a baby boy and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. If you're a believer and you're a Christian, I want you to know God is with you right now and he was with you last week oh Tim I hope he didn't go to some of the places I went to or do some of the I bet he saw some of the things I did I bet he split no he did not he stays with you oh you're kidding he's watching well, he's not going like get out of line and I'll get you no not like it at all he's with you to help you he doesn't want you to face any temptation any hardship any tragedy alone So if you're alone, you feel alone, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that says, I want to be with you. I want to have a relationship with you more than anything else. So much that I'll give up heaven. And He wants to use the Christmas season as your opportunity to get closer to Him. That's why I want to say to you again, if there's there's ever a gift that you'd want on Christmas... Make it, I want the Lord present in my life. Number two, why did God come to earth on Christmas? Why did He come to earth? He came to earth to make a difference in my life. This is very important. He didn't come, you know, guys, I I thought about this a little bit. And every year during Christmas, I'll say this, and I'll hear preachers say this, and it's true, Jesus came in obscurity. He came under the radar. And He did, right? There was, uh, Nona and I were talking, not very many people knew Jesus was here. Some shepherds, some wise men go, hey, there's a star. We better go figure out where it's the Christ. And they they start packing. And it's a, it's a couple of years before they catch up with Jesus. Some shepherds know. Mary and Joseph know. The innkeeper didn't know. Herod finds out later. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people didn't know. He came in obscurity. So it's easy, easy to assume because he came so stealthy and, and, and under the radar, he really doesn't want to make waves. And that's not true. He came to make a difference. A big difference in your life on earth. 
Now you've got to admit, there's some presents you get that will change your life. I know that, you know, you watch the Home Shopping Network and those people, you, you get this, it will literally change your life. What is it? It's a salad chopper. Oh, i got to have it. This will literally change your life. What is it? It's a sweater. Oh, I would get two because I want to change my life twice. And, you know, I don't think you're going to be going, oh, boy, it's a salad chopper. Really going to have a big impact on me? No, no. I don't believe it. There's some presents that probably have no impact. In fact, you probably don't remember most of the presents that you've received. But there are a few, i got to admit, that will change your life. Can you think of any? Oh, it's a little round thing with a diamond on it. You know, we're going to reveal the theme uh, next year is here. We're going to reveal the theme for 2015. And I'm going to have to talk to the guys. I'm thinking we need to change it to weddings. The year of weddings. We've got one in February, right? Is Mickey here? Is that right, February? Yeah, we got one in March, right? Michael's getting married in March. Oh, Melissa. Why are you guys sitting so far apart? Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> There's one in May, Rachel and Corey, am I right? May, man, in June, I heard, is there, is there one in June? Who's getting married in June? Can I say it? Was it on Facebook? Okay, yeah, Kevin and Ashley are getting married in June. Or, I, I couldn't, I didn't, oh, wait a minute, I, I wasn't supposed to say that, sorry. Oh, okay, I've heard that. They're going to get married someday. Someday, someday. And you can't tell me when those girls got those rings, they didn't go, <laughs> and it changed their life. It definitely changes the guy too. It changes everything. Because when you go through premarital counseling, you find out how much it changes everything. In a hurry. There's just some gifts that do that. There's some presents that do that. But you know what? I don't remember a lot of the presents I got. And a lot of the presents I got on Christmas, and I'm not saying that I don't want them. I'm just saying they don't change my life that much. But I can think of people. Their presence makes a big difference. I can remember people on Christmas. Shavy, Thurman Pierce, and Ethel. Danny knows these people. You don't know them. I know them. Uncle Larry. I was going to talk about Shavy. Oh, Don Wick with the hook. He had a hook, and we was like, wow, he's got a hook, like Captain Hook. You know, there's certain people, certain aunts. Certain, there's Aunt Edna. There's, there's Aunt Blanche, who was just a little bitty thing. There's Bobo, my grandma. We had weird names for our relatives, I guess. But, you know, it's funny. These people, we'd be doing something, and, some, and this happens at your house, they walk into the room, and does it have an impact on the rest of the room? Oh, it's Uncle Larry. Oh, it's Aunt Blanche. <laughs> you know, I mean, it depends on who it is. I get it. If the President of the United States walked in here, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, polka dot, or independent. It don't matter. It would change the atmosphere of this place, wouldn't it? Oh, Tim, don't say something stupid. It's too late. I hope the singing's good. I hope the coffee. Ryan, make sure that don't use last week's grounds again. He never does. 
he walked in, we, and what do we do? We go, oh, I've never voted for him. I don't like Obamacare. I don't like anything about him. <laughs> no, you'd be going, hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. The presence of a, of a powerful person changes everything. Wouldn't you agree? Imagine, here comes God on the earth. Let me tell you, He's coming to earth to make impact. How do you know that, Tim? Well, first of all, He did. Every time you date a check, it refers to Christmas, the day He was born, the time He was born. It refers to, it, it splits time in half. It goes from before Christ to the year of our Lord, is what A.D. means in Latin, to the year of our Lord. And, and, the, and the thing about, I think it's interesting about this is, is that you see, you see this in Scripture, that He came to change the lives of people, and He did in the Christmas story, and He's here to change your life as, as well. Look at look two here. The very day in David's town, your Savior, circle Savior, was born. Christ, circle Christ, the Lord. Circle and underline and put arrows around Lord. Why, Tim? Because that's the one I want to key on. We'll talk about Savior in a minute. One, one uh, paraphrase says, right now in David's town, the Savior of man has been born. The Messiah and Master has been born. That word Lord, I want you to notice something. You see, Christmas is about lordship here. And he's talking about, he's talking about, look, when I came to this earth, when Christ came to this earth, he came as a king. He came as someone who was going to change things. In fact, in Luke 1, when Mary is being told about, about Christ's birth and by being reassured, it says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. We'll talk about that. What's Jesus mean? He will be great. I want you to notice something there. He will be great, it says. And will be called the Son of the Most High. This is not just anybody's kid. This is not just anybody. This is the Son of the Most High God. And it says, He will be great. Can you imagine a pregnant woman about about, is, is pregnant? It says, what's great mean? It comes from the Greek word mega. You ever heard that word? Megas or mega? Mega million, mega church, mega meal, mega mind. What's this mean? It means big, huge. Now, when you're telling a pregnant woman your kid's going to be huge, you don't really get them excited, okay? <laughs> if I remember, it was a week or so ago, I think, did Brian, did, Brian, did you, oh, yeah, I'm talking, did you find a picture of a big baby and send it to, how many pounds? 13 pounds, 13 ounces, and, and, and Nicole got that picture, right? And your neighbor had a giant baby. You know, this is not exciting her. And, and when it says he will be great and mega, he's not saying he's going to be a big kid, so you're going to have like three days of labor here going on. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about his impact and his influence on this earth. He's going to be great. I ask you a que- Let me ask you a side question. Is he great in your life? He deserves no other place but greatness. Why? Because he is the Son of the Most High. And Christmas should remind us of that. 
And when you begin to experience His presence, you bring His presence into your life, you, you make Him great. You make Him greater. He does greater things in your life. See, He comes with greatness. And if you want to change something, if you want to change something in your life, if He wants to change something in your life, if you want your kids or your spouse to change, your presence may not be as important as God's presence, huh? It's getting God in this thing. I used, to, I used to worry so much about people getting married. Oh, they have no business getting married. Oh, that's going to be a train wreck. Oh, what problems are going to have? And I noticed that some of the folks that didn't have the train wreck, didn't have the collision, didn't have the divorce, were people, they all had this in common. They brought Christ into their marriage. So it wasn't their presence that really determined it so much as God's presence. And I'd see other couples, I'd think, oh, they're going to make, they're going to be a lifers. They're going to make a lifetime. And they have this train wreck. They get hit with immorality or financial ruin or a death of a child and they cannot process it and they blow apart because they haven't brought God into the, to the marriage. Oh, if you want, guys, God wants to be great in your life. He came to be great on this earth. And if, this one of, guys, if you're not changing and growing and great, you're not discovering the greatness of God, you may want to second guess whether or not His presence is in your life. Are you letting Him be present in your life? Powerful. That's a powerful thought. You see, nothing remains the same in God's presence. Nothing remains the same. A sinner is forgiven in the presence of God. When they can't find it anywhere else, lives are changed. Broken people are mended together, are healed. Sick people are healed. You don't stay the same with the presence of God, or in the presence of God. And I see this through, throughout this Christmas story. And I want you to know, you're not going to be the same if you have God's presence in you. It says they hurried, the, these are the shepherds, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After see, it says, after they saw him, after they were in the presence of Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. Now these are hermits, are now socially connecting with people. They're no longer going to let their outcastness stop them from connecting with people. God can change you from an introvert to an extrovert. Let me say that again. God can change you from one type of personality to another. Oh, I'm hardwired that way. And we've said that a lot. I'm not saying that you're not wired a certain way. But God can play with the wires, guys. And God can, maybe He can put some voltage in some others. And you can become a different person. How do I know that from personal experience? I used to whisper as a child and hide from people. How do I do this now? It's only by His help. Terrified to do this. Terrified to talk to you. Only by God's help does He make that difference. After seeing Him, they went and told everyone what had happened. Isn't it funny that in the presence of God, what naturally happens is you want to tell somebody else about it? And what the angel has said to them about this child. They don't only want to talk about what's happened. They want to talk about what God 
has said. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Their story was effective. Their story had impact. People in the past wouldn't listen to a shepherd. Again, he was the nitwit, the the monkish, hermit-type person. No one took a shepherd seriously. Look it up. Google it. You'll find it's true. They're the low rung on the, on the totem pole of society. And yet now, people are listening to them, and they're astonished. It's effective. But not only the shepherds are affected by, and they're changed. They praise God. They're, they're now praising God and glorifying God. Ta- God has taken a mundane, host, so-so, purposeless life and turned it around. And He hasn't been on the planet but just a few minutes. What about Mary? Well, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Now, Luke is thinking back and he says, you know, one of the things about Mary was he thought about this often. Now, how would you know someone thought about it often? They must have talked about it often. And can you imagine Mary thinking, the, what was the presence of the Lord in, in her life doing? He was great in her life. Well, it's Mary, that's your son. And you love your sons, right, moms? Yeah, yeah. But... Mary's supposed to be, you know, moms are supposed to be taking care of sons, not the other way around. And yet the Son of God, Jesus, her son, is encouraging him with these thoughts. I just imagine for a minute what Mary must be going through, what she had been through, and what got her through it. Here's a woman who's went through rejection, you know, the eyebrows, the head shakes, the, oh, brother, did you hear her story? She's pregnant, and she says it's from God. <laughs> She's young kid, 13, 15. We're not sure how old, but she's a young woman. That's what the Bible prophesied would be. It would be a young a girl. And, and, then, and then on top of that, you know, she, they're trying to find a place to have a child. Uh, where's the nearest hospital? I mean, everybody here, probably just about everybody here has been, been uh, born in a hospital. Am I right? Just about everybody. I'm sure some of you were born in a home, and you had somebody there to help, and it was... It was that's great too. Mary, where, were you, where, where was your son born? You know, you must have been to great hospital. No. Was it in the car? No. It was in a barn. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I'm a dad, and i got a problem with it. I can't imagine what a mom is thinking. i got to have my child in a barn? I'm just trying to think, well, how would Nicole handle it if Nathan said, look, we can't get to the hospital. We're going to pull over at this car wash. Yeah, farmland car wash. Because they're always clean. And want to have the baby here. What? No, we got to get to the hospital. What, 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 how's Mary get through that? I'm having a kid in a stable. And then she, what does she think about when she's, the innkeeper says no. What does she think about when she hears a cow or a, or something. Oh, you know, she's pushing, and, 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 and then she's not thinking. All of a sudden, oh, that's right, I'm in a barn. Joseph, what is happening? No, she's, not, she's thinking about something, isn't she? She's thinking about giving birth to the Son of God. It doesn't matter. Guys, listen, it doesn't matter where you are as long as God is there. Amen.
It doesn't matter where you are. As long as God is there, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Why? Because He come to change things. And what might be dangerous is no longer really dangerous. What might be scary. You know, I I noticed something here. The angels say to the shepherds, to Mary and to Joseph, something. They all, all three of them get the same thing. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Are we afraid of Christmas? Oh, no, I'm not afraid of Christmas. Well, let me rephrase that. Are you afraid of lordship? Because that's what was at stake here. You, you're going to be okay. You're going to have a child, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. Yeah, guys, you've got to get over here and see this. The Savior, the Lord, has been born. Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be so afraid to do what I'm asking you to do. Marry this woman. Marry her. And name that kid Jesus. He's going to save all of mankind. Well, the difficult things about being a Christian is obedience. Isn't it? If God's going to be present, you just don't want to know Him. I was reading in Romans today that that Paul is challenging the Romans. Don't just know. Hearing the Word and knowing what God says is not enough. You must do it. You must obey it. And that's Lordship. That's where the rubber beats the road, guys. And here we see Lordship. He's great. What does she think about at the cross? What gets her through this stuff? Jesus is Lord. That's what gets me through it. My Son is Lord. My Son is the Messiah. What gets you through what you're going through? Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He was born in Bethlehem and it's Christ the Lord. Mary's response. Look at Mary's response here. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she's going through the ringer at the time she says that. Praise God. When God is present, you have nothing to worry about. Wherever you are, if God is present, you have nothing to worry about. He comes with a throne. I want you to notice this. In Luke 1, he says, he goes on to say, he comes, in other words, he's a king, guys. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign. I want you to circle throne and circle reign. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom, circle his kingdom, will never end. What's he talking about here? What's Christmas really about? Christmas is about the lordship of Jesus. He says he'll have a throne. He will reign. He's not a passive king. He doesn't just sit on a throne and in luxury while the rest of us go through the ringer. He isn't like that. He's involved. He reigns. And it's His kingdom. It's His kingdom. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you're in His kingdom. And you can count on your King. He came here to change things. He came here to change your situation, whatever you're going through. He came to change the results of your sin. He came to change the way you look at things. He came to change you from being in bondage, from, a, from some stronghold to being free of it. Praise God. Praise God. 
And he changed, listen guys, he changed, and then how do I, so Tim, you're saying he changed my life? Yes, when he is Lord of your life. What do you mean? What I mean is, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is more than a man or a prophet. I think too often, too many Christians treat him like he's just a regular guy. Well, we sing it, Jesus is Lord, we say Jesus is Lord, but somehow it's lost, it's lost its meaning. Jesus is Lord He's in control. He's got it. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we just treat him like a guy. Like he's just a man. You see, when he's Lord, that means I trust and commit everything to him. He's Lord, so I obey him. You see, I might not see exactly what's happening. But I say to myself, He is Lord. That's what was announced. So I'm going to say it. It needs to be said on the earth again, guys. Somebody needs to be saying Jesus is Lord again, and it needs to come from the the believers, the disciples, the Christians. It needs to be heard on the earth. He is Lord. And it starts by saying He's Lord of my life. That means when I go through something I don't understand, that's okay. He's Lord of my life. He's got it covered. He must know something I don't. He has my back. He has my best interest in mind, so I'm going to obey Him. So when I bring Him into my marriage or to my family, my family's falling apart, Lord. Jesus is Lord, though. What does that mean? My family's having trouble, but I'm bringing His presence into this situation, and that means I'm going to trust Him and obey Him in whatever He says for me to do in that situation. You see, because Jesus is Lord, listen, nothing escapes His care. Nothing is unnoticed. He is fervently involved, reigning. You might think evil's winning, but Jesus is Lord. I think sometimes evil's winning, don't you? Looks like it. Rome was, was, was the superpower of the day. And what comes from heaven? Jesus is Lord. That changed. All of a sudden, Rome went from number one to number two. And that problem, that hardship, that tragedy that steals your joy, it's right now first. I want you to know Jesus is Lord. Uh-uh. It bumped down. That problem just bumped down where it belongs. It doesn't reign over you anymore. No, the Lord reigns. I don't know if I can go on. Guess what? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord if you can't go on. You may think there's a problem too big for you to handle. And it probably is. But Jesus is Lord. There's your equalizer. And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. You may have to say to yourself over and over again, you know, Jesus is Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to believe He reigns. And I'm going to be okay. I have a sobering passage here in, out of John. You know, Matthew and Luke talk about lots of details about Christmas. 
John and Mark don't talk so much about it, and especially, you know, John, you look at John 2, and you go, and what, here in John 1, he kind of makes a reference to the time Jesus came. It says, He came to the world that was His own, and His people did not accept Him. And I've, you know, we've said this for a few years now, Jesus is Lord whether you want Him to be or not. But have you accepted that? If, he, if He's going to make changes in your life, it comes down to, I'm going to receive Him and accept Him as my Lord. Simple, isn't it? Hard to do? Absolutely. What a challenging thought on Christmas. It's about Lordship. And number three, God came on Christmas to die for me. He came on Christmas to die for me. A lot, for a lot of people, Christmas can be hard. I know some of you in this room, Christmas, this Christmas is especially hard. In fact, you would wish it would hurry up and get over with. You've lost a loved one. You've lost a job. You've lost some friends. Some friendships have changed. So Christmas isn't the same. Everybody else seems like they're in the Christmas mood, but not you. Their up mood just makes you more down with yours. I want to encourage you with something. Let me encourage you not to be in such a hurry to see Christmas pass by. Because Christmas reminds you and I of the cross. You know, as I looked at Christmas icons and pictures, I never found a cross in any of them. Yet the the story has the cross mentioned. It does, you, you, guys, it shows you just how far we've come away from the true meaning of Christmas. Look at this. It says in Luke 2, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What's the good news? Christmas bonus. What's the, good, what's the good news? A new car! No. What's the good news? Engagement ring. No. What's the good news? Today in the town of David, a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Savior has been born among you. For you. See, Jesus is on a rescue mission. Christmas is, a, is, a, is more like a rescue mission than we, than, more than we realize. He's trying to save you and I from something. The very first way Christ is described from heaven is, is as a Savior. So He came to die on a cross. The cross is mentioned right there with, with the word Savior. He wants you free. He wants you free from fear and guilt and shame and strongholds. And so Jesus leaves heaven. He leaves all the glory, according to Philippians 2. He lets go of it to come to earth. And when He gets here, His life is threatened right off the bat. He's born in a barn, not in a palace. 
and he's on the run. He, finally, some guys die, and he comes, he comes back home. He begins to preach, and what's he run into? Opposition. People begin to have problems with him. Some people love him to death. But when crunch times come, they all reject him, even his own disciples. He dies on a cross. Catch it. They put him in a grave. They put him in a grave. He comes out. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He isn't going anywhere. Praise God. He's Emmanuel. We'll kill him. We'll put him in a grave. We'll get rid of him. And he goes, no, you don't get rid of me that easily. See, I am God with you, and you're stuck with me. Why would God go, listen, why would God go to all this trouble, all this energy, if it weren't important? If it weren't something He wanted you to have? You see, Christmas tells me I need a Savior. Does it tell you that? I don't need something, a new thing, a new gizmo. I need a Savior. I'm lost without Jesus. You're lost without Jesus. And Christmas is telling you, you need a Savior, and I'm here to save you. Now, that's good news when you stop and think about it because that means you matter to God that He would let go of all of that to be on this earth. That's why in Matthew, you know, Joseph, he's told, don't be afraid to marry, to marry, you know, to take Mary as your wife. Name him Jesus. Name that boy Jesus, which means one who saves. For he will save his people from their sins. What present has got your mind on Christmas? One last passage I want to show you and then we'll close out the service here. And it says here uh, in in the last part of, of John 1 verse 10, it says, He came into the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. I couldn't help but as I read that, think about how we are today. It's so hard to see Jesus in Christmas. You'd think it would be easy for a believer, but with all this other stuff going on, it's a challenge sometimes. And I want to encourage you to recognize His presence. Look for His presence. Crave His presence. Ask for His presence this Christmas. Next week we're going to look at how do I, what can I do to bring His presence into to Christmas? On your notes, it's got a little, there's a little prayer there. And I know you've got a prayer card and you can fill that out as well. But I'd like, to, I'd like you to fill some, if you could work on that as well, there on this card, it just is simply asking us, Lord, where do I need to bring your presence? You know, and it's making a commitment maybe to say, Lord, I'm going to bring your presence here into this. Is it your family? Is it some emotional problem, issue, a, a hardship, a struggle, a, a stronghold? Lord, I'm going to bring your presence into this. Where do you need his presence? And, and by putting that there, maybe put it somewhere where it will remind you. You could put it in your car or in your bathroom on a mirror or someplace where you could let go, you know what, I need to remember to bring His presence into this. 
and see if it doesn't change things, because it will. Merry Christmas to all y'all guys, all right? God bless you as we start experiencing and noticing and experiencing the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for coming as a person, Father. You didn't come as an angel. You didn't come as a spirit. You came as a person. And His name was Jesus, the one who saves. Thank you for, Father, thank you for, for loving us so much that you don't want us to be alone. You want to be with us all the time. Some of us here, we just aren't very close to you, and it's not your fault, it's ours. I pray, Father, we'll move closer to you, that we'll let Christmas encourage us to do that. Let, this, let your passages today encourage us to draw near to you. Lord, we know in your presence we have nothing to worry about, so we pray we'll, we'll bring you wherever we need you. We just bring you there to be more aware that you're with us. Father, we know you want to change things. You didn't come as, um, a, as some kind of just regular person. You came as a Lord, as a king, and you seek to reign on this earth. And Father, in your kingdom you do. And Father, as members of your kingdom, we pray we'll, let, we'll trust you and we'll obey your commands. That will that will seek to please you and let you reign in our emotions, in our decisions, in our outlook. And Father, um, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, for, thank you for coming in the flesh to die for us. We need a Savior. We desperately need you. And we pray, Father, that we'll recognize your presence. We'll open your presence, open our hearts, and let your presence be in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.